This week's edition sheds the spotlight on a goal scorer finding another year for his hockey team, which is already pretty good. The team in question is the Boston Bruins, and the player in question is David Pasternak. He is somehow leading the league in points and goals. In other offensive categories, he's just as dominant, and at the 15-game mark this year, he had more points than Kucherov after 15 games last year, and it's not one points or two points or three points. 13 more points than Kucherov at the 15-game mark. Is he the next Yarmer Yager? Is he the Yarmer Yager of our generation, or is he destined to cool off? Certainly worth debating. Episode 192 of the Lace Them Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Them Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And uh, Brett's going to like this episode because yep. it's all Boston Bruins. Yeah, and my favorite player, too. Uh, so so yep. this is an exciting time for me, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I know it's like a surprise whenever we pick what topic to choose. But I should let you, got, you guys know that um, this was actually Steve's idea. Um, it was not my idea uh, to start things off, but um, we were going to talk about the Islanders streak and all that stuff, but then they uh, they lost to the Penguins on Thursday. But instead, we're going to talk about my favorite player and who's on my favorite team, David Pasternak. Um, in fact, he uh, I have a screen. My phone homepage is uh, or my phone wallpaper is of David Pasternak here. So, um, so I'm gonna try to say this without being biased, but it's probably gonna be a little bit hard for me, uh, considering um, everything you guys know about me. Um, so, um, yeah. So as Steve mentioned at the at the jump, um, David Pasternak leads the league in both points and goals. Um, he has 30 points in 16 games. That's almost two points per game, which is nuts. If you think about it, um, I'm looking here, and if you project it all out, he's projected to have uh, 77 goals and 77 assists. Um, so that's that totals to 154 points in 82 games. Um, that would be um, historic, to say the least. Uh, that would be like Gretzky. Um, if he were to actually pull that off and be hot for uh, the entire year. Um, he didn't score any points last game in, against Detroit. Um, you know, I mean, I guess that just shows that he's a bum. But um, but every other he scored, I think he had like a, he had a goal streak for a while now. But like he had a point streak uh, for, uh, he scored a point in every game so far for the Bruins, except for three. Um, he didn't score uh, against Detroit, and then the first two games uh, against Dallas and against Arizona, he didn't score. But every other game, he scored a point, um, and some he had multiple points in. There's one that he had like five assists in 
That was against the Rangers. Yeah. So he's been um, he's been really good. Obviously, he's uh, he had a four goal game as well in Anaheim. Um, and yeah, he's been really good. Um, so uh, yeah, it does kind of like you mentioned it also at the jump. Uh, it does remind me of a bit of uh, Nikita Kucherov's hot start last year, and he was able to you know be consistent with that the entire year as well. But it, it seems like uh, Pasternak's been uh, phenomenal uh, throughout the year, uh, just like Kucherov is, and he could even surpass McDavid um, if he keeps this up um, in terms of like you know getting that Art Ross Trophy. Um, and he may get the Rocket Richard. Um, so we have a couple of questions as we always do here. So um, I'm gonna compare. So yeah, we're gonna compare his this season to the previous seasons beforehand. Uh, the last two years he has 80 points, but I should mention that last year um, he had 81 points in 66 games. If you remember, I was yelling at at him because he had that thumb injury where he like tr fell on the on a team bus or there's some like thing with a team bus or something but um this was in like february or something like that and then he was out for yeah. the year um but even uh before all that he still had 81 points in 66 games which is an incredible pace when you think about it like that um he uh he still had like 38 goals um, even in 66 games. So he's like an incredible goal scorer. Um, he had, he's had 30, uh, he had 30 goals in the last three seasons. Um, he's on pace for more than that this year too. So he could probably surpass that pretty soon as well. Um, as for if I think, I'll, I'll let you go because um, I am sure you have stats as well that are more in depth than mine. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it is, I don't think he's going to get, uh, 154 points as he's projected to get, cause he will slow down. But, um, having said that he is probably like the best goal scorer I've seen, um, other than maybe Patrick Laine and Alex Ovechkin. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets like 50 goals. Um, but I, I would imagine most of these, um, points are are like the pace that he's on right now is going to slow down eventually just because it has to um, he's on like he has a 26.3 shooting percentage which is pretty high um, for anyone um, and his career shooting percentage is 14.7 so uh, that's that's probably so that's just shows that it's eventually going to slow down but who knows um, so yeah what do you what do you have to say yeah, so it, it's kind of, it, first of all, it's kind of important to take into account um, that in his first two NHL seasons, he wasn't even a 30-goal scorer. This was a guy that averaged 10 to 15 goals, didn't even have a 30-point season, didn't get much time on the power play because obviously he's the new kid on the block and not every new player just make, trying to make a name for himself in the NHL gets thrusted into a top line role, a top line power play role right away. He needed a bit of time to develop. So that being said, 
in his first couple of seasons, his first two seasons, you know, averaging 90 to 100 shots on goal while playing just under 14 minutes per game. All things considered, you know, like averaging 10 to 15 goals and like 25 to 30 points, and that's 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 pretty decent, but not exactly setting the world on fire like he is now. Um, but again, you consider the guys that he played with in year one, he mostly played with Lucic, um, who I guess started to slowly regress at that point. Uh, right. Sometimes he played with David Krejci, who in his own right has been a pretty good player. Um, and whatever time he did spend with Marshall and Bergeron, it was on separate lines, never the same line. So uh, the, Mar- the Marshall Bergeron combination hadn't been invented um, involving Pasternak at that time yep. in year one. So you look at year two, who is he playing with? Well, he, it was still um, before the days of Marshawn Bergeron and Pasternak playing on the same line. Um, he, he did play a bit of time with him, uh, with those two in, in year two, but it was less than 6% of his total even strength ice time. He was mostly paired with Krejci and uh, Louis Erickson in year two. Then we get to, to year three, the year of his big breakout, where he gets 34 goals and 36 assists. So that's a 70-point season for him. Um, he had uh, five goals that opened the scoring, another two that ended up being OT winners. And uh, on top of that, he had uh, another four game winners uh, in regulation. Um, that season, he finished in the NHL's top 10 for goals and shots on goal. He had 258 shots that year. He was starting to get a bit more power play time. His shooting percentage, 13.2%. Could have been higher if more of his 99 shots hit the net or even went into the net. So we were starting at that point in 2016-2017 to see the evolution of David Pasternak. And we kind of got the sense of what he could be capable of if he continued to play that well. And part of the reason why he played that well in 2016-2017 is, first off, he got more chances to show off his skills. His average ice time per game jumped 401, four minutes and one second compared to his second year. So that's a very big jump. And a lot of that was uh, power play time as well as even strength time. He spent more time with Marchand and Bergeron um, on that big line, but he also um, still was playing with Krejci for around 30 to 40% of the time. So um, he was exposed to more of Bergeron and Marchand at that time, but wasn't really at the level where Marchand, Bergeron, and nobody else he played for. It wasn't at that level yet. Uh, We started to see more of the big perfection line in 2017-18 when he got 35 goals and 45 assists. Um, He got six opening goals and another five game winners. Um, He was a 20-goal scorer with the wrist shot alone. Um, He had 246 shots on goals, so his shooting percentage was still just as efficient as it was the year before. Um, he got 13 goals on 80 power play shots. That's the fifth most power play shots in the league as well. Um, once again, his average ice time went up and, uh, he got more chances, uh, like I said, with the perfection line. 
Then you get to last year where he finishes two goals shy of 40. And of course that injury cost him. So he could have easily scored 50 goals last year. Um, this time around, he gets seven opening goals and another four game winners. Um, he was scoring in a bunch of different ways. He um, got 15 goals on 39 snapshots. Um, he went five for 13 in tip shots got another 12 goals with the wrist shot, getting more power play time once again, getting more time once again with the top line. And uh, actually, I think his average ice time, just taking a look here, uh, actually, no, I was taking a look at his playoffs, but in the 2018 playoffs and in the 2019 playoffs, he was just as dominant. So that was another thing that I noticed, like especially in the 2020, uh, in the 2018 playoffs when Boston only lasted two rounds. They only lasted two rounds, but Pasternak got over 20 points in that playoff series. I think to be specific, it was 20 points in 12 games or something like that. And he was just absolutely killing it in that postseason, even though the Bruins didn't last that long. And then when we get to this year where 73.7% of his ice time and even strength is with Bergeron and Marshawn. He is playing pretty much all of his power play time with those two. He's playing a good solid chunk of his even strength ice time with those two. And that is where you're starting to see the improvement. You're starting to see the improvement because he's playing with all-star talents almost every single time he's on the ice. And I think that's a big reason why he's been so yep. efficient. The guy has 15 goals, but he has, I think, 57 shots with a slap shot. He's five for 10. Probably a lot of that is on the power play. Right. Nine for 38 on the wrist shots. Um, it's, it's just a matter of playing with all-star guys every single night, every single shift. And the more and more he's able to do that, the more and more chances he has to reap the rewards. And to date, he's done exactly that. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to our next question, which is what really impressed you about David Pasternak's hot start to, uh, you know, the season. Um, we'll talk about Brad Marchand and Bergeron in a second. Um, but, uh, I mean, I guess there is something, I mean, maybe I can combine these two questions <laughs> as well. Um, because, like, yeah, it's, um, whenever, like, you know, it's like, Bergeron and Marchand are good on their own. Same with Pasternak is good on its own. But like when they're both combined together, uh, they are, you know, it's, they're, they're probably, they are the best line in hockey um, just because they're all like offensively sound enough. And I mean, I think Pasternak's defensive game isn't as strong as Marchand's and Bergeron's, but then again, like who, who is, but um, but at the same time, I feel like Pasternak, uh, like they complement each other so well where like Marshawn and uh, Bergeron can focus on the, you know, defensive side of things as well as the offensive side of things. And Pasternak can just focus on shooting and scoring and making plays. Um, so I feel like uh, there is like something to the fact of, yeah, of course, uh, Marshawn and Bergeron are good on their own, but there is something to the fact that Pasternak is also 
a really good player too. Um, so they're, they're like independent of each other. Um, another thing that it has impressed me before um, is, or that impresses me with this hot start it's the fact that, you know, like you mentioned how like you went to his whole thing and I didn't like, I mean, it's funny because like I've watched him his entire career. So like, you know, the first couple of years I thought like, okay, yeah, this guy has potential. He's a little flashy and stuff, but, um, you know, like he just, he always just tries to make plays and he's always like trying new things, which it's something that you don't really see a lot with with uh, players if you find out so but uh, like and now it seems like he's kind of like stopped doing those little like gimmicks and just starts like actually like shooting the puck when he should and he starts like passing when he should um so it's it seems like his game has improved and moreover the fact that he's 23 years old um is incredible because usually players prime is around like 27 26 um and he's yeah. 23 years old he's been in the league for six years now uh there's like there's a chance that he could he could be like one of like the best player for years to come just purely because he's 23 years old right now um and moreover because of that fact you know he was picked 25th overall um in this round, I mean, of course, there's a couple of guys on this list who were picked before him where you can make a case, and it's not like they're bad players. Uh, Sam Reinhart, Leon Dreisaitl, um, even Jacob Verana, Dylan Larkin, they've all made names for themselves. Um, William Nylander, Nikolai Ellers, um, all those guys, but like, or Nick Schmaltz. It's just, but like, just the fact that like David Pastern, if there was a redraft right now, um, I think you could only make a case that Leon Dreisaitl could be drafted ahead of Pasternak, and that's about it, really. Um, everyone else, it seems like, um, you know, he's been by far the best player. Not by far. I, 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 <laughs> I don't mean it like that. Dreisaitl and Pasternak have been the best two players in that draft so far this year. Um, and, of course, I guess they've played a little bit more games than everyone else, but... Um, it seems like, and not to take anything away from Ekblad or Sam Reinhardt, because they're good in their own right, but um, it does, so that's also what impresses me, is the fact that, like, you know, of course, I always look back to, like, 2015, when we, pa when the Bruins passed on uh, Shabbat, Barzal, Connor, um, and um, a bunch of other guys that we passed on, Besser, um, you know, and, and then, but then I just remember like, oh, right. In 2014, the Bruins like got David Pasternak, one of the best players in the league, um, 25th overall. So it's like, it does kind of cancel each other out considering it was like a year apart from each other. So just from a Bruins fans perspective, it like, it kind of makes up for, um, for it in, uh, in 2015, but, um, yeah, so what has impressed you and uh, maybe what what role do you think Brad Marchand played in this hot streak and what about Bergeron? Uh, just to add to your point, uh, Pasternak was selected when Peter Shirelli was still GM yep. of the Bruins, the more you know. Um, with that being said, uh, what's really impressed me about Pasternak is that his stretch has looked so dominant, yet individually from a game-by-game -game standpoint, 
he hasn't really been that dominant. Uh, if you look at his first two games of the season, he went pointless, only yeah. got three shots. Um, he's only had a pair of multi-goal games this year, which means that in 11 of his first 16 games this season, he's found the back of the net. Um, his six shots on goal against Vegas in the Bruins' third game of the season, that remains a season high. But he's recorded at least five shots in a game on six occasions to date. Um, he surpassed four power play minutes in seven of his first 16 games. Um, well on pace for over uh, 70 goals this year, which is, again, absolute insanity. And the only top 10 scores with a shooting percentage over 20 and have at least 10 goals this year are Brad Marshall and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, and it, I think what's also shocking is the fact that you look at uh, the seven opening goals of a hockey game. Um, he scored the opening goal of a hockey game seven times in his first 13 games. Yeah. Nobody that has played in the NHL has ever done that. Not Wayne Gretzky, not Gordy Howe. Nobody has scored the game's first goal in seven of their first 13 games. And Pasternak somehow did exactly that. Um, there's a, a lot about his monstrous point streak that you just look at your, you just look at and you just can't believe what you're reading. It's, it's just so mind boggling. And if, if you're among the best in the league in several areas, um, you're bound to set a lot of firsts for your franchises as well. And like I said, uh, not just making waves around the league, we're talking about David Pasternak putting himself amongst the Boston Bruins' very best. Like we're talking all-time talents. We're talking production that we haven't seen uh, in years. Um, so, uh, stuff that um, that uh, Phil Esposito did and Bobby Orr did. And um, it's, it's just incredible to see David Pasternak um, amongst that list of Bruins legends. Um, you know, guys like um, you, you would expect Bergeron to be in that company, yeah. but at the age of 23, you know, we're looking at all these Bruins legends and we're just thinking, were any of them as good as David Pasternak is right now? Yeah. It's, that's honestly tough. really tough to say. Um, I do think at the same time, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron have played a very pivotal role in his taught start. Uh, like you, you take a look at David Pasternak um, going on that 14-game point streak, the fourth time in his career that he's had a point streak of at least 10 games, and you could any and like I get that only Malkin, Crosby, and Lindros have accomplished that feat more than him before the age of 24, and that's an astounding stat. But at around the same time Pasternak was on this streak, Brad Marchand was on a point streak that lasted just about just as long as Pasternak's did, and. Over a stretch of four games, Brad Marchand had a pair of five-point outings. Right. So even though David Pasternak has been very good, Brad Marchand has been equally good. Yeah. Like we're talking about a guy that's averaged 30 goals um, in each of the past four seasons. At this rate, it's probably you might as well make it five by the All-Star break. Yeah. The way that uh, Brad Marchand has been playing when. Uh, Pasternak went down with his injury last February. Down the stretch, Brad Marchand had 29 points in 18 games, and 12 of those points were goals. 
like the dude was clutched down the stretch. So you're right when you say that Brad Marchand is the playmaker and David Pasternak is the finisher. He's got that accurate, lethal shot. And Bergeron um, is like a bit of both. <laughs> yeah. And, and to your point about Bergeron, he's the guy that starts everything. Yep. He's the guy that works hard, that back checks, is a great two-way player. He forces turnovers. He does the little things every single time. He does the little things right that sets up a play, and that nothing play can turn into something magical because Brad Marchand's a good playmaker. David Pasternak has got a wicked shot and Patrice Bergeron does the little things right to make everything happen so when you put those three minds together you witness magic plain and simple and that's what makes this line so good they have that it factor that it factor that is very tough to like really pin on something but when you see it you know it you know it when you see it you just recognize greatness right away yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm aware um, of how good these, these guys are. Um, I just wanted you to talk about how good they are, so um, <laughs> I, bet, I don't I have bet to. you that felt so satisfying, <laughs> me talking about how good your Bruins have been. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, I'll, I'll talk about your Senators and how good they are, maybe, but <laughs> that'll yeah, probably let, be let, 10 years from let now. Go. Um, but, uh, no, I, to, to add to your point, yeah, I think that is a good way of putting it. I think, like, uh, Marshawn's more of the playmaker. Uh, he can shoot, he can score, um, you know, he can pass, obviously. He's, like, more of the playmaker type of the group. He can also play defense as well. Um, and, you know, Bergeron, uh, Pasternak's more offensive-minded, as, but, you know, he is one of the best offensive threats in the league. So they they complement each other well, and then Bergeron does a bit of both, and you know all three are great in their own right, and you know they complement each other really well. Um, and they've they've no doubt. Be- I remember a couple of years ago we did like the best top lines. Um, you didn't even have Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn on your list, if I remember correctly. And I had them yeah, fifth, a, that's a good but memory. I can't even remember who I picked first. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was back when we were talking about how like Tara Vinen and Aho were really good together or something right, like that. Yeah. But uh, so then we did like a top three line or something like a top five lines or something like that. But I forget who I picked first, but I but I did mention the the Bergeron line at that point. But I mean, to be fair, this was like when they just got going. Um, and I was, and I'm a little bit biased, so I'll admit that too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but now there's, it's pretty much like, uh, those three, um, and then the guys in Colorado and maybe the guys in Tampa Bay. Um, uh, and that's, that's about the list. (laughs) So, um, so that's, uh, that's, it's just, uh, you know, they're no doubt one of the best teams just because all three are very good and I also want to note that um there was a time when Pasternak was with Krejci for a bit um I think this was back in with when Claude Julian was there um yeah. and you know they have that Czech Republic uh connection too and and Pasternak was also pretty good too um at at that line so like it does you know when you think about like if it's 
if it's all Pasternak who's doing well, or if it's like Berger, like if Pasternak was on another team, or if he was on a different line, would they, you know, would he still be good? I mean, he probably wouldn't be this good. Um, but I, I still don't think, I still think he would be a, a good player. Um, um, so it's not like all just because Bergeron and Marshawn are on their line. He's not like a passenger on in that sense, but he does like those guys, those two guys do make Pasternak better, um, when, when they're on a, on a line together. Yeah. It's um, it, yeah. like, like Pasternak's a good player. Yeah. When he plays on that line, he's elite. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I would like to see. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to test that because I know, like, back when he was playing with Krejci, um, that was when, you know, he was young and he hadn't, like, grown into, like, I feel like he's learned a lot since he's yeah, been in the league. More, more so, so I am curious to see if, like, what would happen if you do put Pasternak with Krejci again, or yeah. if you do, like, um, or if, like, Marshawn or Bergeron get injured. God forbid, but you know, yeah. one of those things where we see how good Pasternak can be on his own. Um, because I would beg to say that he would still put up points even without those two guys. But it's one of those things where I'm glad I don't have to worry about that um, <laughs> for the time being. Um, all right. Um, so I guess we did talk about this. How much of Pasternak's hot streak is a product of the way the Bruins play hockey games? Um, this is a time where I, I was going to mention this before, but I, I guess I kind of forgot. Uh, Bruce Cassidy is like a really good coach. Um, Claude, don't get me wrong, Claude Julian was also a really good coach uh, for the Bruins, but I feel like Cassidy like knows uh, these players' strengths and weaknesses and stuff. And this Bergeron, Pasternak, Marshawn line started purely when Cassidy was coach. Um, and I think that is a big part of how, um, like Cassidy draws these lines. He like thinks of chemistry and thinks of things like that. So I, and you know, as you mentioned before, I think that like Pasternak is also on the power, you know, power play one with these guys as well. Um, you know, that's been a big weakness for the Bruins as well is, is that when Pasternak, Bergeron and Marchand aren't scoring, it's like the Bruins aren't a good team anymore. So they are the life force of the Bruins. I mean, of course, Tuka Rask is amazing. And like Tory Krug has his moments, of course. And like Krejci and DeBrusque are severely underrated in my head. <laughs> so, um, so of course there are other pieces, but like they, you know, they are a big part of like, if they're scoring goals, that that top line is scoring goals there's a good chance the bruins will win that game and vice versa so um i do think there there is some effect to how the bruins do play hockey games in terms of like you know bergeron marchand is more of a defensive minded player as well you know has a good two-way games and then pasternak can just work focus on scoring but um but there is you know but i i i mean I think Pasternak could also be, maybe he could be good on another team as well. Yeah, I mean, you just take a look at the amount of empty netters he's got over the past three seasons, excluding this year, only three empty net goals. Yeah. 
So, like, he's actually had to work for a lot of the goals that he's scored, which is great. Um, I mentioned Nikita Kucherov at the start of this podcast and how he only 130 and less scoring. A bit for Nikita's success behind the opinion was a special team Tampa Bay's goaltending. If you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, they had a top five power play, a top five penalty kill, and Vasilevsky tending the twine, stopping all the pucks, um, playing like a Vesna caliber goalie and actually winning the Vesna. And over the past several years in his career, Tuka Rask is at worst a top 10 goalie, at best a Vesna caliber netminder. You take a look at the Bruins in October, they went 9-1-2, and two, their best October showing in franchise history. And during that 16-game stretch, um, David Pasternak had some lackluster outings. In a uh, game against New Jersey, he registered five giveaways. Um, he registered another five giveaways against the Leafs three games later. Um, he registered three giveaways against St. Louis and against Ottawa. On Friday against Detroit, he had uh, four penalty minutes. But in that five-game stretch, Boston has gone three, one, and one, and has even shut out the opposition twice. And that is where I say the team defense of the Boston Bruins has played such a pivotal role in David Pasternak's success because when you have solid team defense and solid goaltending you feel like no matter what happens if you turn the puck over you know somebody's got your back and just like a good goaltender like Harry Price um is for the Montreal Canadiens if you have good goaltending you kind of you kind of build up uh, the feeling that you're invincible and nobody can touch you and that allows you to play without fear i believe i mentioned this on the podcast a few times and the yeah. stats over the past four years for the bruins defensively speaking back up my theory you take a look at their goals against even the season where julian got fired ninth fewest goals in the league yeah. uh 27 18 fourth fewest third fewest last year so far this year third fewest you take a look at uh, their ranking for shots against 2016-17, second fewest. Uh, the year after that, second fewest. Last year, sixth fewest. Um, it's gone up a bit this year, but um, even then, 17th fewest in the league, that's not too bad. Um, you take a look um, at uh, their giveaway-takeaway ratio. It's it's not that uh, bad. It's, it's, it's around... Uh, the middle of the pack in the NHL. Um, their penalty kill in 2016-17 tops in the league uh, in Cassidy's first full season, third overall. Uh, last year, they were uh, 11th overall. And you just take a look at all of the negative uh, games that Pasternak has had. The Bruins still keep finding ways to win games. You take a look at someone like Toronto with all that offense of Marner, Matthews, Tavares. But you look at their defense and you look at how much they rely on Freddie Anderson. And there is the difference between someone like Boston and someone like Toronto. The team defense for Boston is there. It's not for the Leafs, and Boston has been the more invincible team because of it. 
because they just keep finding ways to win hockey games and they just find ways to wear you down. And I think the amount of discipline that they've had, um, their ability to force the other team to taking penalties, them being able to capitalize on it. They've had such a lethal power play. It's at over 30% this year, 17 power play goals already. They had a top 10 power play in each of the previous three seasons. So just Boston as a team, they have the right guys. They have the right mindset. They play the right way. When everything is going well for you as a team, your star players can play like your star players. So in that sense, David Pasternak has been very fortunate. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, uh, again, I love that you, uh, you're, you're, you're complimenting the Bruins. It, it almost feels <laughs> like you are a Bruins fan. Um, <laughs> So it, it, it helps me. It helps distract me from uh, yeah. the controlled chaos in Ottawa. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I would be probably be like talking about this if we did have the Bruins send segment. So it's it's all good. Um, the, the, yeah. in, in, in essence, the Boston Bruins, I would say, are the poster boy of NHL teams right now. Yeah. Like every single NHL team that wants to contend, regardless if it's Toronto, regardless if it's Montreal or Ottawa, whoever, Boston and Tampa Bay right now, mostly Boston, the way they've been playing, are the teams that everyone looks to and says, man, if we could just play like that, we can do some crazy things in this league. Yeah. And um, that's, I think that's... Uh, something if you're a Bruins fan you feel you should feel very proud of your team is the team that other teams look up to yeah I mean I I guess I do feel it I I will say though that I hope like I look at what Tampa Bay was going through last year um where they like you know they do well in the regular seat they did it had this historic season in the regular season and then they fell on the wayside come the playoffs time so that's that's my only worry is is that eventually um, when the going gets tough, I don't know um, if the Bruins will be able to recover. I hope they do. I, I do think they will, but um, I would like to see them battle through adversity a little bit. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing to say as a fan. I hope I want to see them suffer um, just to see if they can get back up. But um, but yeah, so that that's my only worry is if, if they all of a sudden get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets um, in yeah, the first round. Yeah, see that, you know what, it, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because the Tampa Bay team, before they got swept to Columbus, lost a tough game seven yeah. against Washington in their own building. Similar to how Boston lost, uh, sorry to bring back awful memories, yeah. similar to how Boston it's, lost it's to be expected. game seven <laughs> in the cup finals in their own building right. to uh, a tough team on the other side. So you you would think that after going through that bitter disappointment and coming so close to making that next big leap to get to competing for the Stanley Cup, you would think that tough game seven loss would have helped Tampa last year, and it right. didn't. So I, I get your concern a little bit there. I think if the Bruins have the right mindset, which I'm not sure Tampa had, I think if the Bruins have the right mindset, they'll be okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the, you know, last year's Stanley Cup Finals did toughen them out, or maybe it made them realize, like, okay, 
we were this close to winning it all. And if a couple of things went our own way and all that stuff, then maybe we could have, uh, you know, won the whole thing. So that's what I hope. But, you know, it, it, it when it comes to execution, that's what I, I want to see. So, um, so there's that. Um, and then we have the last question here. Um, is this hot? Is this a hot streak or the start of the new norm for Pasternak? Um, and then you mentioned here that Drysaddle scored 50 plus goals last year, and he's showing sign that signs that his breakout year won't wasn't a fluke. Um, in fact, Drysaddle is tied with Pasternak um, in the points lead right now at the moment. Um, they both have 30 points in 15 games. Um, or 16 games. Um, I I would say that this is a hot streak, um, but at the same time, as I've mentioned before, he's still only 23 years old. Uh, he he still is going to be on this top line. He's still he's in a good situation, um, so I I don't think he's going to get 154 points or how many ever he's projected to score this year. But like I'm sure he will eventually, um, you know, ha have a cold streak uh, in the season. Um, but I do think he is for real. He is definitely going to get. I feel like he's definitely going to get like a hundred points or more this year at least. Yeah, when I say new norm, I'm thinking 50, go 50 goals and 100 points he'd average per year, and I certainly think he's capable of that. Yeah, simply I could because see that. of. The so that's like that he's in in the so that's like basically that's like an Alex Ovechkin, you mean? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, the, I although you you do make a good point about pot streaks because if you look at last year, in his first twenty games, David Pasternak had seventeen goals. Yep. Which means in his final forty six games, obviously, if he played a full season, it would have been more than forty six games. But he got 21 goals over the final 46 games. So that's still pretty respectable, but not nearly as superhuman as 17 goals in 20 games. Right, right. Um, again, right now, close to a goal per game with 15 goals in his first 16 games. So if if you look if you look at um, last year's stats, you're kind of hesitant to say, oh, it could be another it could be another hot streak. And you know, obviously, I think at some point it'll cool off and and. You know, like 60 to 70 goal average, uh, I I don't think uh, that's realistic at this point, although uh, I'm sure Bruins fans would be very happy if I was wrong. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking at the norm for Pasternak being a top 10 NHL scorer, 50 goals and 100 points per season, that's definitely not out of the question. If he continues to play the amount of minutes on the power play, even strength with Bergeron and Marchand, and the Bruins continue to be as good of a team overall as they have been. There's no reason why I'd argue against Pasternak not scoring 50 goals and 100 points per season just because of how much he shoots the puck, how well he shoots it, and again, the chemistry that he has with Bergeron and, and uh, Marchand is just so out of this world. It, like he, he, Even Bergeron... You, you take a look at his last couple of seasons, he's still a point-per-game player. And I, I would argue, to date, one of the most underrated players at his position. Like, you look at um, 
I think it was just taking a, a, a look at um, a stat here. I, I had a stat um, about uh, Bergeron. Here it is, 2016-17. Patrice Bergeron that season had 302 shots on goal. Only Ovechkin, Brent Burns, and Tyler Sagan had more shots on goal that season than Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, well. Like I said, very underrated player at his position, but very, very good at what he does. And again, his two-way mind is one of the best in the league. There's nothing David Pasternak and Brad Marchand can't do because Patrice Bergeron is so good at basically everything. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I could. So I, so when you say 50 goals, 100 points, yeah, I, I think that is achievable. Um, I think he, he is, that would be a good standard to set. That's like basically, uh, Ovechkin. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm good with that. Um, it is funny though, cause you did mention, uh, Sagan and I remember back in, uh, I think it was like in 2015, when, I think it was our first year when we were recording this podcast. Uh, so this was yeah. before Pasternak was even really getting going, um, I remember yeah. thinking like, cause I, I just looked at Dallas with Sagan and I looked at Thornton with the San Jose Sharks and I was just like wishing that we had, uh, or like Kessel in Toronto, or I guess he was, yeah, he was in, he was in Toronto at that point. Um, you know, I just, I remember keep on like wishing that I was like, you know, the Bruins could get one of those like goal scorers or that points guy just because we traded all those guys away. So um, it is nice to see, whenever I see Brad Marchand and Pasternak on top of the points leader, it, 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 you know, it brings a tear to my eye because it's like, we did it. You know, it's, we actually have a guy, we have two guys. Um, so, so that's like a good feeling to say. And, you know, he has a chance of being, you know, winning the Rocket Richard, winning the Art Ross this year. Um, so, and maybe Hart, Hard candidate Pasternak, should we say that? Um, <laughs> Imagine yeah. if both finish in the top three for the Hart Trophy. That'd be a nice problem to have. Yeah, although I feel like that is one of those things like they cancel each other out. Um, although at the same time, like dry, you could make a case that Dry Settle could be the Hart candidate as well with McDavid. Yeah, so, um, so it, it, maybe those like those teammates kind of cancel each other out, where it's tough to see. Um, who's actually the the MVP of their team? Um, so they may end up actually like Pasternak and Marshawn may end up hurting each other because you know no one knows who's actually the best of those of those two. Um, but yeah. uh, I, I also think the only way this could hurt Boston is in the wallet down the line because yeah. I, you look at the way Marshawn and Pasternak have been playing. Like their contracts are some of the biggest bargains in the NHL yep. right now. When those contracts expire, and they continue to play like MVPs, they will get paid like MVPs. Yeah, but uh, pass uh, Bergeron's going to be a UFA in 2022, so that's three seasons <laughs> from now. Pasternak's going to be a UFA the next year, so that's four seasons. And Brad Marchand's going to be a free agent in 2025, so that's six years. So. Um, so that, that's not even like, that's the other part about their, this, uh, success of them is not only are they all being paid less than $7 million, but they're going to be on the team for at least three more years. 
Um, yeah, and, <laughs> and, that, and that's a good counter to my point. I'm just saying when it comes to re-upping guys like Tory Krug and oh, Tucker yeah, Rask, yeah. be careful. Okay, that's a because, fair point. Yeah, yeah. Be, because those are the contracts when it comes time to pay Pasternak and Marshall, those could be the contracts that come back to bite you. Yeah, I, okay, that's a fair point. I thought I thought you were mentioning like when when they eventually become UFAs, it's like yeah, they're they're not going to be UFAs in a in a couple of years. So it, it's just that Tory Krug and Tuka Rask, in their own way, right, have contributed to Boston's success. So um, obviously, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them um, Down the line. In, in hindsight with Marshawn Pasternak playing this okay. well. But so they, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Not, that's why we're not to John Sweeney right now. He has to worry about that. Yeah, well, in a couple of years, but yeah, that that is a good point. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'm with you on that. Um, all right, that that leads us off t- today. Um, our our social media uh, is uh, Twitter is our Lace M podcast, um, our Lace Up podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Our, uh, you can catch us on, you're probably listening to us on SoundCloud or iTunes or Spotify um, or wherever you, you get your podcast. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 193 of the Lace Them Up podcast. <laughs>